We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. It's good night. It's even better night um, because, quite frankly, um, I had one of those <laughs> panic moments. You were talking about that. Yeah, it was one of those <laughs> moments, not a <sighs> moment, you know, because I, I got ready to, to get my stu- my, all my stuff ready to preach tonight. And suddenly, you know how this happens at just when you don't need it? I never have to sign in on Google on my iPad. And today I needed to sign in on Google. And then it wanted to verify it on my phone, which presently I don't know where that is. And uh, I was in a little bit of a panic. But you know what? Here it is, folks. This is how good our God is. Right here it is. It came up during announcements. Glory to God. So, so I, uh, Valerie actually covered me. She gave me the hard copy just in case. Um, and so uh, everybody was taking care of me. It was all good. But, um, but I, I think there was an attack on this, and, and, and I think that God wants us to hear something tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, and, and, and in saying that, the very first thing here on my, uh, on my iPad says I'm a great starter. It's just kind of ironic, don't you think? We're, um, but here's the deal. I am a great starter. I don't know about if any of you fall into this category, but man, I am a great starter. I am on fire when I'm going to start something new. I mean, I sent Shelby a meme a while back, and it was a picture of this girl um, And I think she's like lying on her bed or something like that. And there is stuff everywhere in her room. And it was something to the effect of me um, halfway into that decision to clean out my closet. You know, and she's just like, you know. Well, that kind of is a picture of someone who's a really great starter. And I fall into that category. I love starting stuff. When Rick and I first got married, <laughs> well, I was excited about being married. But um, when we bought our first house, we bought our first house when we'd been married about six months. And we bought the cutest little house. And it had mostly been remodeled. And it was just beautiful. It was almost a 100-year-old house. It had the original hardwood floors in it. And they were beautiful and and, and, and it was just a, a great house, and the only thing that wasn't great about it was the kitchen. And one day I said to myself, well, I'm going to fix this. But, you know, I was 23 years old, and at 23, I really didn't know what fixing a 100-year-old almost kitchen might entail. And so it had this wallpaper on it that... um. I just immediately started just peeling off the walls. Unfortunately, when I peeled the wallpaper off the walls, I peeled the walls off the walls. And, um, and there I stood looking at, I didn't even know what I was looking at, you know. 
And then my husband comes home, and he looks at it, and he knew exactly what he was looking at. He was looking at about a six-month project that, uh, that I started, but he got to finish. Um, but I love beginnings, don't you? I just love the beginning of something. I've got vision for it, whatever it happens to be. And, uh, and I just think it's kind of maybe human nature to, to love the, these new beginnings and the start of something. And it doesn't matter what it is. It's just, it's just fun to, to feel like you're on the cusp of something wonderful and something great, something new, something different. You know, and when I was still teaching music here, um, it used to be that Teresa and I kind of split it. And, um, and so I would, would be teaching music. I know Teresa has had this same experience. But, you know, you'd always have a certain percentage of students that always wanted to play whatever instrument they weren't playing. All right? So you get a kid that's showing some some real potential on the bass, and what do they do? They come and they say, I want to play the drums. <laughs> Kenan. He's actually pretty good at the drums, but you know, I mean, you just, that, we, I have a lot of kids, he's not, but, but you get these, these kids, and they, they man, they, they're just starting to really kind of get really good, and then they're like, I want to play the guitar. I want to play this. Okay, well, why don't you get really good on that one? And then we'll think about it. But there's just, that's not, I'm not putting them down because I do that. Whatever I'm not doing, that's what I want to be doing because I want something new all the time. I want to start something. And, but, but here's what happens. We start things. And then, I don't know, you just get kind of tired of it, don't you? More than getting tired of it, what happens for me is, it just gets hard. Well, my goodness, I didn't know it was going to be this hard when I said I was going to do it. I have been saying for several years that I'm going to go through all of the algebra paces at school. Because, you know, it's been 30-some-odd years since I took algebra. And I'm tired of having to say, you know what, you know, wait, wait for Chapman. He'll be here and I'll have him answer your question. I'm tired of that. So I keep saying, one of these days, I'm going to go through all those algebra paces myself. And I can, I can figure out how to help them. I just have to sit down and, and take an hour and a half and reteach myself and then go out there and act like I knew it when I didn't. So, <laughs> so I, I have all these great, great plans. I'm going to use a sports analogy just because it will make Chapman happy. Um, and, and several of you in here. But have you ever noticed this? When kids are the age to play rec league sports, whatever the sport happens to be, whatever the season is, it's t-ball or it's basketball or it's volleyball or it's soccer, whatever it happens to be, when they're this big, do you notice that almost all of them play? I mean almost all of them. But, but you get to 7th grade, 8th grade, 9th grade, and we've cut the field of participants down by about half. Why does that happen? It happens because, well, that's a lot of work learning how to do that. You know, that's a lot of running. <laughs> Got a lot of kids that want to play basketball. They just don't want to do any running. And I'm not quite sure how 
we make that happen. But here's, here's what happens. Their excitement wanes. It goes away. It becomes overshadowed by their desire to um, be comfortable and, and cool and um, sit on the sidelines and eat their snack and, and do all this stuff. So, you know, we, we love starting new things, the diet that we're always going to start on January 1st, right? The Bible reading plan. I got that in here later. Just hang on. The Bible reading plan we're going to start on, on, on the beginning of the year. This, we're, the stop smoking plan that we're going to start. The stop spending money on stupid stuff and start putting some of it in the bank plan that we're going to do. <laughs> the quit being a nag plan. I've had that one a few times. Stop complaining all the time. Be on time. I'm going to start. I've made that one many, many times in my life. I'm going to start being on time. I'm going to quit this business and being late everywhere I go. And so I, I start this whole thing. The, I'm going to go see my mom and dad more. I'm going to go see my grandparents more. You know, we do those things. And those are good things. Not one of these things I'm saying here is a bad thing, is it? Yeah. I'm going to start exercising. In my defense, I got, I finally the other day went to, went to use my treadmill. I've been saying it now for a year. Finally went to, to, to use it, and it, it's broken. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm going to stop wasting time. You know, as, the older you get, the more that one starts. You, when you start looking back on your life and realizing how much of your time you've just literally wasted away, I keep thinking to myself, why did I sleep as much as I did? Now I'm desperate for sleep. I wake up 10 times in the night and I've got to get a fan and I'm doing all this kind of stuff. I'm trying desperately to sleep. But back, if I could go back, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd not require 10 to 12 hours at times, you know, um, I, this is one of mine. I mean, you can, you can, you can pick out which ones are, are mine, and most of them are. Um, I've made plans several times. You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start cleaning up after myself as I go along. Now, this one was um, suggested to me by my husband. Sometimes people give you good, great ideas, and so he has mentioned this one a few times in our lives. Um, so I'm going to start cleaning up as I go along. Um, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to, and more, more, more lately what I say is I'm going to finish one of the 25 to 50 books I've started. I'm going to finish one of them. I'm going to clean out my car. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to clean out the closet. I'm going to clean out the junk drawer. I'm going to clean out the, the shop. I'm going to clean out the garage. I'm going to change the oil in the car. It's only 8,500 miles past. I'm going to do it. And I'll start doing it every 3,000 miles or whatever it is. You're supposed to do it. I don't know what it is anymore. And we, we make these decisions, and January 1 is a big day for us because we are just sure that this is the day. This is the one time. That we are going to finally get our act together and do what we said we were going to do. And we all know the story. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how far into January you get. But, <laughs> uh, 
I, I would love to make it to like the second week of January sometimes. Depend, I mean, depend, I have on some things, but there's a few things that I have literally spent weeks and weeks and weeks working myself up to it, and it lasts for four days, right. you know? I think the reason we do this is we love the idea of a new beginning. And, and I know this is all funny to us because you guys relate. You're, you're laughing at me because you, you relate to what I'm saying. Um, there's something that, that prompts us on January 1 to want to read our Bible more. We look back at a year and we say, oh, I missed a lot of opportunities where I could have grown in the Lord, where I could have, have, have really taken my life to a different place, and I didn't. So this, starting January 1, I'm going to start getting in the Word. And that's a great, great goal to have. Um, we look at people around us and we see the blessing on the life of someone who's in the Word. And we just want that too. And that's a great thing. You know, what prompts a person to want to stop smoking a lot of times? A big old health scare. Deanne said something at our women's conference, and I wrote this down, and I, I, I've thought about it repeatedly since she said it. But when you're desperate, you're disciplined. That's, a, that's quite a statement right there. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get disciplined without having to be desperate? So when you're desperate, when the doctor says to you, listen, if you don't stop smoking, you're not going to be here this time next year, suddenly we have some ability that we think we didn't have before. When the doctor says you lose 50 pounds or you're not going to be here next year, suddenly we're able to control something that we thought was well beyond our control before. When you're getting ready to lose your house, don't think you don't look back and, and, and think about all the necessary spending you did that was incredibly unnecessary. And again, none of this is to, to, to condemn us, but we've got to see that we make some, some commitments. We make commitments all the time. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm fed up with my follow-through being just nil, nothing. I want to say something, and I want people to know that I mean what I say. You know what used to motivate me to clean my car out? Is when I would unexpectedly have to let somebody get in it. And then I would say, okay, I'm going to start cleaning my car out. I'm going to start, every time I get to the house, I'm going to get everything out of it. I'm going to get the trash out. I'm going to take my wardrobe that's in the back seat. I'm going to take it in the house. I'm going to take it to the car wash once a week. Once a week, I'm going to take it to the car wash. I've had cars that if it weren't for Rick, they would have gone years without being washed. That's embarrassing. And, and the fact of the matter is, unless, unless it gets called to my attention where it embarrasses me like that, I just keep doing it the same old way all the time. But I want to talk about, I, I only have three verses tonight. And I don't do that very often. I usually have a lot of, of scripture. But tonight we've got three individual verses. And the first one is Psalm 37.5. And it says, commit everything you do to, to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. That's simple enough, isn't it? 
Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Well, let's, hey, let's just all do that. I mean, that'd fix everything, wouldn't it? Well, it certainly would. So why don't we do that? And, and what, it, what really does that even mean? So we're going to talk tonight about having the faith to commit and really mean it. There, was a, there, there are people who, when they make a commitment, you know they really mean it. Why do we know that? Because we watch them in life and we watch them follow through on the things they say they're going to do. You know, I, I've told people this for years, but when Rick decides to lose weight, he loses weight every single time because he's committed to it and he's going to follow through with it. When Melanie says she's going to lose weight, that's all I'll say about that. But there are people in the world who, when they commit to something, they follow through. But I think the vast majority of people in this day and age, they, they don't understand what true commitment is. Um, in Psalm 37, when it says that we are to commit everything we do to the Lord, I think about that, and I think about when we get married, okay? We make a commitment to each other. And what we're saying is, I am all in with you. All in. And I am committed to, to love you in good times and in bad. But what we don't usually stop to consider is, what exactly do bad times look like in marriage? See, when we date, we, we, we magnify the person's wonderful qualities all the wonderful, great things about them, don't we? But when you get married, we do just the opposite. We magnify all of their faults and all of their shortcomings and all the things that make us crazy and kooky and that we wish they would stop doing or start doing or whatever. But we magnify the negative when prior to marriage, we, all we had done was magnify the positive. And it becomes a whole different ball game when we're trying to deal with someone's not-so-great qualities. And, 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 I mean, I'm a messy person. I am a messy person. And Rick kind of knew that, but you don't really understand the magnitude of someone's messiness until you live with them. <laughs> yes, it is, <laughs> Michelle, it's true. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, really. So Rick thought that was, you know, not, I don't really... It's not one of my favorite qualities It's about Mel. But when you start living together, and it's day in and day out, just last night, just last night, Rick comes into the bedroom and he says to me, Hun, did you mean to leave the jar of salsa sitting out on the counter with the lid off and all of the stuff that you got out for dinner sitting on the counter? Did, did you mean to do that? To which I said, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> but I'm messy. And, 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 and he thought that was going to be no big deal. And it turns out it, it was a really big deal. He's 32 years into this thing trying to, <laughs> still trying to get me to come to his way of thinking. I mean, 
When I, but, but when I fix dinner, he, he's, he's very neat. He's very neat. And when I fix dinner, I'm standing over here at the counter, and I reach up, and I get things out of the cabinet, and I set it down here that I'm getting ready to use, and I turn this way, and then I turn back, and it's all gone. Because he's come through, and he's like, she's never going to put that up, and he's put it all up. And you know what? That frustrates me. I hadn't even used it yet. Here's another one. I like a room to be well lit. And I think it's biblical. Jesus Jesus is the light of the world, and I think we should be drawn to light. I think there's a lot of husbands and wives in here where one likes it well lit and one likes it very dim. But if you like it well lit, you are more godly. Rick will walk into a room that I have been sitting in for 30 minutes and flip the light off on me. Or he'll come in there, he'll say something to me and walk out and flip the light off. Not because he's just in the habit of flipping the light off, but because he wants the light off even if I'm in there and even if I want it on. And I will say, I I, I had that on for a reason If I didn't want it on, I wouldn't have walked over there to that little thing and flipped the switch. But he likes it a little warmer in the room, a little little more peaceful, I think, is kind of what he's trying to accomplish. And he likes a smaller light bill. I I don't pay the light bill, so I don't really care. Um, That's terrible. I do care, but... But we are committed. And these seem like silly things, don't they? They seem like silly things until they are coupled with things like this. Maybe your spouse has a roaming eye. Maybe your spouse is jealous. And you did not know the extent of their jealousy before you married them. Maybe you went to pay the bills and your spouse had spent all of the money and there's nothing left. Maybe they lied to you about something. Or maybe they're not turning out to be the parent that you think they ought to be to your children. Or maybe they're not coming home right after work and you don't know where they are. Or maybe they're maintaining friend circles that are not healthy for your relationship or your family. Maybe they don't stand up for you with their family. Maybe they don't care about things that are important to you. Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they don't make fried rice like your mom used to. Rick. That was an inside joke, but you get it. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm t- these are some big things. Okay, you have, have some of these big things going on, and then you start coupling that with some of those silly things that just make you crazy. And before you know it, you can't stand to hear them breathe. The way they chew drives you insane. The way they walk, the way they laugh, the way they drive. It all becomes a big thing. I mean, it really does. I mean, we laugh because these seem like little things, but they're big things. 
And we do this in every area of life. It's not just marriage. This isn't a sermon about marriage. It's, it's about commitments, any kind of commitment. And we do this. Uh, we don't have the conviction to see things through. See, when, when I start getting wound up about some, some small things and then some big thing comes in and, and, and gets added on top of that, before I know it, I'm, I'm reasoning out in my mind why I'm the exception and it's okay for me to, to, to leave this guy and divorce this guy and get rid of my problem. And I'm, I'm not saying there's never a reason uh, for divorce. But I'm, and I, again, I'm not trying to make it about that. But I, I want us to see that this is how the enemy works, all right? And, and so when we are uh, trying to love one another in good times and bad, you've got to be thinking about what that bad actually is going to look like. And you've got to be committed through the bad, and I think something has happened a little bit to the word commit or promise. Um, and, and I want us to talk about that. Um, if you have to promise that you're telling the truth, that's probably the first indicator that you're not. And you hear that all the time. I mean, that's just become the thing people say. I promise I'm telling the truth. Okay, well, you just gave me every reason to believe you're not. But, but I want to... I want to give you something to think about. When the word says that we are commit everything we do to the Lord, that Hebrew word is a word that is, uh, is the word that's translated commit is a word, and I think it's galal. It's a verb, an action word, but here's what's really interesting about it. it when you look up the definition, it doesn't say commit. I mean, that will be in there, but that's not anywhere near the first definition. What it says is, Roll together. Roll together. Now, the implication that when it's saying that to commit is to roll together, the implication is one of being tightly rolled up together and entwined together. Okay? Entwined. So I want you to think about Psalm 37.5 like this. Entwine everything you do with the Lord, trust Him, and He will help. It really changes the way we think about that. See, it's not just, okay, God, here's everything I do. Okay, I've done, check off, commit. That's not what it is. We, when we are entwined with the Lord, it, the implication is that we are so bound, so intricately bound together that you can't tell where one stops and the other begins. You couldn't separate if you wanted to. And so we're trying to, to keep commitments and not really having a true understanding of what a commitment is. And so in Exodus 33, when God told Moses that he was supposed to take the Israelites into the promised land, Moses said, you know what? If your presence isn't going to go with us, please don't make us go. I don't want to go. That is a man who was entwined with the Lord. He wasn't willing to do anything, even go to a place that he was promised would be the greatest place on the earth to live and that it would be given to them. He wasn't even willing to go there without being entwined with the Lord. We don't make those kinds of commitments very often anymore. 
when I commit to read my Bible every day, starting on January 1, what I really mean is if nothing else comes up, I plan to read my Bible every day. As long as it doesn't mean suffering, I will go on a diet on Monday, which is the only day we're permitted to start diets other than January 1. As long as I don't get behind slow drivers, I'm going to start being on time everywhere I go. That's the way we commit to things. Okay, see, I was late, but it wasn't my fault this time. I got behind a really slow driver. In in America, we have this way of compartmentalizing our lives. We have work. We have family, we have work that we do at home, we have school, we have friend circles, church. We compartmentalize our lives and we tend to think of things in life compartmentally. Our family and our friends, they are compartments that we, we go in and we come out of on a regular basis. Even within the family, we have compartments. We have our immediate family. We have our intermediate family. And then we have distant family. We have compartments with our, our, our friend circles. We have, you know, if, if you've got 10 hobbies, you've got 10 circles of friends. You know, because, and so we, we compartmentalize all these different things. And, and, and we have a compartment for church. And we keep Jesus and our faith in that compartment. And twice a week, we proudly enter that compartment. And we give Jesus his allotment of our valuable, valuable time. And that's a picture of Christianity for far too many people. And it's not biblical. Commit everything you to the, do to the Lord. Entwine everything you do, all that you are, let it get so tangled up with the Lord that you couldn't separate if you wanted to. We compartmentalize God like he's just one part of our lives. I think about politicians, and you know how a politician will say, you know, my faith is a very important part of my life. I'm looking for a politician who says Jesus is everything to me. You can, here's what you can expect from me. You can expect that he will influence every decision that I make. As a matter of fact, I submit every decision to him. I will use the word of God as my standard, and I will do so because I am entwined with him. And I won't make decisions any other way. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a, a, a politician who says, my faith is very important to me. We got some of those in office right now, and I, don't, I, I, I find it really hard seeing any evidence they have faith at all. It's, it's okay to compartmentalize certain things in life, but we're compartmentalizing God. And that's not how this works. We're being very disingenuous when we treat our relationship with God like something we can put in a box and take out on our our terms and at our convenience. Proverbs 16.3 uses the same word, uh, galal, which when it says this, it says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Well, here's what we do. We, We come up with this plan and we go and we say, Lord, I commit this to you. And we walk away with an expectation that the plan will succeed because that's what it says right there. The problem is we're not entwined with God. We are not wrapped up and tangled up with him. 
when you entwine your action to God, he becomes the middle. The, the, he, he's over. He's below. He's, he's in and through. And it's then, it's when, when he's that much a part of your plans that you can expect that your plans will su- succeed. I am fully convinced that if we could get a revelation of biblical commitment being rolled together to the point of being entwined, being tangled up and laced up together, that it would change the other commitments that we make in life. I'm going to give you one last thing to think about. Because really there's... The instruction here is to get tangled up with God. Get get entwined with God. But I'm going to read you one more scripture. It's in Isaiah 40, and, and it's a very recognizable scripture, verse 31. And it says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Don't we need that? When I'm in the middle of trying to accomplish something, when I'm setting these January 1 goals, and I'm trying to do things that are hard, man, I need someone to renew my strength. It says, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Here's what's super cool, though, about this verse. The word wait. The word wait in this scripture is the Hebrew, Hebrew word, and I think it's kava, kava. I listened to Blue Letter Bible, and he does it. I listened to how he says it, and it's kind of funny, but kava. It's also a verb, and, which is an action word. And you know what it means? It means to bind together by twisting. So when you wait on the Lord, it means you are so bound in him, so twisted up and tangled up in him, that he renews your strength. But we think waiting on the Lord means this. No. Waiting on the Lord means this. Waiting on the Lord means getting that word out and getting yourself so tangled up in him that that he can't help but renew your strength. That word is living and active and it will change your life if you would ever, ever give it the chance to. So I interpret that verse to say those who are entwined with the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. When I'm trying to keep a commitment and I need my strength renewed, here's what I'm telling you. I just got to get entwined and tangled up with the Lord. You think about... You think about um, vines that grow on things and they you know if you've ever tried to cut vines off of things it's like you can't get rid of them that's the picture that's the picture of being entwined with the lord so how do you commit and really mean it that's it that's it and you think well what do you mean getting no entwined and tangled up with the lord what I'm telling you is, have you, some of you I know have done this. I know Chapman and Pastor and I have talked about this. But, I mean, have you ever just started studying? Well, you could, you could do the YouTube thing. You, you get on YouTube and you're trying to learn how to make chicken noodle soup. And the next thing you know, you're learning about how to feed giraffes in, you know, Africa. And, okay, 
But that's how it is with the Lord. You open that word and you commit to that word and you'll, that'll ma- you'll read something. It'll make you go, oh my goodness. And then you'll go and you'll try to find something else that, you, that made you think of. And before you know it, you've been four hours into it and you don't even know how that happened. And you're just so filled and full when you get done. That's being entangled. That's being being entwined with the Lord. So my, 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 my instruction to you today is this, stop compartmentalizing God. You know, I was thinking about things that have compartments. I was trying to get a picture in my mind of what this, of how I could explain this. And I got to thinking about a tackle box. And you know how a tackle box has all these different compartments. And if you think about your life as a tackle box, you know, you've got your, your work compartment you've got your work at home compartment you know the lawn mowing and the picking up all the branches that we've all been picking up for weeks you've got all these different compartments God doesn't have a compartment he's the tackle box he's got to be everything to you So my encouragement is this, stop compartmentalizing God. Stop making him be a part of this. He's got to be in, through, over, above, around everything that you think, everything that you do. And when you entwine yourself with the Lord, it's then that you will succeed. It's then that you will have the blessing of God on your life. It's then that he will renew your strength. And when you become entwined with the Lord and you begin to be renewed and, 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 and start having success and blessing within, guess what? That stuff just trickles down into that diet you are starting on January 1. It trickles down into, okay, I'm going to stop smoking. This is my, this is my year. I'm going to do it. It trickles down into, I'm going to quit being late everywhere I go. But you got to start with getting tangled up with the Lord. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.